Welcome everyone back to the All Access USL podcast. We just finished with week three, and we are now starting to learn a lot of big things about our teams. Um, we are back with Monterey Bay FC discussion as well. Yeah, you... back. back as usual. Yeah, <laughs> back as usual. Our third episode together. It's great to have a co-host now, someone to talk to other than just, you know, laying out the results in 30 minutes, which can get pretty boring. I'll have to say yeah. it it's it's fun to you know kind of discuss and go back and forth and say our thoughts and uh bounce ideas off each other absolutely so. um we're gonna start off like we always do we have match reviews and we're gonna start off like we always do with match reviews with Monterey Bay one RGV one at HEB Park that Wilmer magic is not there yet unfortunately yeah. Not yet, and you know, if you're Rurigan Valley, you you say to yourself, "How do we not at least get like seven points from this three-game homestand to start the year?" If you ask me, they should have beaten Las Vegas. I think they should have beaten Oakland, and I mean, you you should you should be able to get at least seven points from this homestand, and they only got three, um, which is concerning to say the least um and like we didn't i don't think we played our best especially in the first half um the possession was pretty much shared it was pretty much equal in the entire game and they had but they had 20 shots they had 20 shots to our nine and 10 shots on goal to our three so they really honestly had the advantage and two goals early got wiped out um because of offsides and well, if if Valeski's hadn't get, gotten wiped out, that would have been a worldy. But, um, anyways, it uh, it was it was down to the wire. And I again, I kind of told you this, but I really thought we should have saw that one out. I think yeah. we could have very well gotten three points from that. Um, a point on the road again is is not horrible, but mm-hmm. it feels it feels like we dropped points because of the fact that we were up one nil and we defended like that for 20 minutes and, and then to concede like that was, was kind of a uh, heartbreaking a bit, but you know, it is what yeah. it does. I guess. That's for sure. It's um crazy to see how Monterey Bay have already like last season. It took them nearly 18 games. I'd say until maybe half the season for them to evolve in the team that they wanted to be. And this year they started off hot against Hartford and they conceded, you know, they conceded three goals still, even in a win. But now we've seen them have so much composure in the back. They've conceded two goals in two games. And while they haven't had the offensive output that they had against Hartford, I think they'll get that back. I think that's more so gettable than it is to fix a bad defense. And while we know that they have a great defense, that first game wasn't great, and they've already been able to fix that, which I think is great. And the offense will come. Um, yeah, I think it's it's crazy that in a Wilmer Cabrera three four three, you only get one goal with how um, high that they like to play sometimes. Yeah, so I think that's a bit iffy, but I know Monterey Bay in the future will be better than this. Yeah, For sure. I, I mean, we really stayed composed, which is very good. Um, because I, you know, 
again, Wilmer likes a high press. And so for us to kind of play the way we did out of the back at times was very, very promising and uh, trying to play through the midfield and all that. Um, but yeah, overall it was, it was a dog fight. Um, and yeah, it was, uh, we could have gotten three points in that though. For sure. Uh, it's disappointing to come away with that, but I don't think it's also a knock on RGV because Oakland have not been the worst to start this year. To be fair, they have not been awful. Uh, they were at the end of two unfortunate wonder goals against San Antonio. Without that, right. they they draw the game. And San Antonio, to be fair, have not been fantastic to start. They play out yeah. of that low block like usual, and it's pretty, for it's pretty hard to watch it sometimes. But they get the results either way. And then Las Vegas, to their benefit, have also not been too bad to start. Like we all, like at least I thought they were going to be. They've showed out under uh, Isidro Martinez, and I think that is just a testament to how good he's done because that roster is thin especially at the back. So it's remarkable how they're doing so well. So I I think both teams uh, go forward from here for sure. I just think it's unfortunate that they came together during this week when they really needed something to maybe build some momentum. Yeah. I mean, Las Vegas uh, is certainly surprising a lot of people, but you again, you look at their attack, they have guys that can score goals for fun. And like Kubo Kubo Torres, one one of the one of the best in Liga MX and MLS, and uh Pato Potelo Thaz, who is arguably one of the better number nines in the league. Um, so I mean it's no surprise that they're scoring goals. I think it's the fact that they're not allowing as many goals as we thought they would as they as we thought they would be yeah. allowing. Um, because of their depth on the back line. Uh, so credit to them for for kind of uh, coming together and defending well. Yep. So Monterey Bay won, RGV won. Hopefully big things coming for them next weekend uh, when we get to those games. Next, we'll move to Pittsburgh won, Miami won. Uh, not the result I really would have thought, especially because of how high on Miami I have been uh, during this off season. Yeah. Um, I mean, Pittsburgh, again, they, they didn't really do a whole lot this off season to, to really retain anything or improve their roster. They regressed. And so for them to, uh, for Miami to pull ahead, but then to concede like that is a little surprising. And I think they, yeah, I think they really should have pulled that one out as well. Yeah, it's it's hard to say that they shouldn't have pulled that one out when they're playing a 5-3-2, they're playing deep, you know, they're playing those long balls, they're getting their um, fullbacks forward to attack, and then when they score, they're keeping those fullbacks back because they've got the lead, and then they still let uh, Pittsburgh back into the game through Burke falling. Absolute wonder strike, I have to say. Beautiful volley. Shinned it and still hit the top net, like top ends. It's incredible. I think I don't I don't know who it was on the broadcast, but the the color commentator said he puts his laces through it. And I'm like, no, he didn't put his laces through it. Yeah, he put him through it. <laughs> he, so, uh, all was, shin, all shin. And uh, then, but yeah, go yeah ahead. 
58% possession for Pittsburgh and 42 for Miami. And Miami only 56% on pass accuracy. So not not the best showing at all. So Yeah, you can see how the game evolved to Miami just playing long balls and Pittsburgh really controlling the game. And that's, again, even though it is off of a great strike from the edge of the box, that's how you let a Pittsburgh team who is always resilient back into the game. Pittsburgh always fight. They're always a top team, no matter how thin their roster looks or no matter what their roster looks like in general. I didn't think they'd be too great to start the year. They're not too bad in the end. You know, had a rough start against Birmingham, got the win last weekend, one all draw here against Miami, nothing to complain about. It's Pittsburgh team that we know is successful and will continue to be good. So, and, you know, I still think it's most likely Bob Lilly's last year, um, especially if they get knocked out in the playoffs. Yeah. Uh, I think they just need to kind of hit the reset button on that, on that end of things. But overall, they're still gonna they're gonna they're still gonna fight and uh, give you give you a hard time to get three points. Yeah, they'll give you all they got, and I think I think you're right. And it might be Bob Lilly's last year because at what point is uh, the general success not enough, and you need to start pushing for the cup that you know is the ultimate goal. So it's it's, uh, it's the old saying, you know, you play to win the game. So exactly, some teams did not do that this weekend somehow. I think you know what game I'm talking about. It's the big, big surprise. We're we're one game away from that. However, we're moving on to Hartford, Birmingham. Uh, I one of the posts because I only I'll say this. I only post um about games. I only post previews for games not on Saturday because there are so many games on Saturday that I need to watch, and uh, I just do that. I post about this game. I am having a hard time understanding how Hartford are still without a win to start the year. There's no doubt that the games that they've come up against are difficult, but this is a Hartford team that was improved in it, like seemingly improved massively throughout the off season, maybe one of the best windows of the off season. And now they're, Oh, they're, one draw, two losses in three games. I don't know what to say. Yeah, I mean, I, I said when they played us that they needed time. I still think they need time. Um, but kind of look at it, it, I feel like they just have a lack of lack of creat- creativeness at times. Um, the only chance that was super clear cut that should have gone on the back of the net this game was Opino. I honestly don't know how that doesn't end up in the back of the net, but I think that was because it kind of came out the turf a bit and it bounced up and he just wasn't expecting that. Um, if that was rolled on the ground more smoothly, it probably goes in, but whether you want to consider it um, unlucky or, or, or whatever, it still needs to go in. Um, but again, overall, just, I think it's a lack of creativeness at sometimes and just not being, not being as good at the back as we thought they were going to be. Yeah, that's that's true. I really thought this back line would be something that would help prop Hartford up, and it definitely has not been. That is seven goals conceded now in three games. More than two goals a game. That's not great. And to your creative creativity part, they have the options. They have Hopeno who can create through the middle and out wide. We saw that in Detroit. He can play semi-out wide. 
uh, for them. And they have Ama, who's a great goal scorer and also a good creator. But I think this 4-2-3-1 is hindering them because it's a really balanced, basic formation. It doesn't allow for much creativity. Like we saw Hopeno thrive last year in that whatever 3-5-2 or 3-4-2-1 that Detroit played. It really let him go. And that's why Detroit were so good in part because of letting Hopeno run free. And now we're seeing these players kind of be brought back through this formation. And I wonder if it's Tab Ramos being a bit stingy and not wanting to play overtly to attacking or to defensive with that low block and then uh, counter forward. I think he's just being a bit too reserved right now. Yeah. And, you know, I think Tab Ramos is obviously a legend. Yeah, absolutely. I think he will. I, I think I think he'll adjust, but for the time being, it's uh, it's not the Tab Ramos era we were expecting, per se. Absolutely not. It's more so the Tab Ramos we saw last year towards the end, and the Tab Ramos we saw at Houston, which didn't end well either. I'm not saying that's how it's going to end here. I have hope that he will improve tactically and he will know what to do. I think one of the big things is we haven't seen a lot. From Richard Sanchez either. I think Joe Rice should be the starter. Uh, Sanchez was not great against Monterey Bay. Uh, he was okay against the switchbacks and wasn't great here again. So I think Joe Rice is a good answer uh, because I know he's prone. Sanchez is prone to mistakes no matter where he comes. He's going to make a mistake. If you go back and watch him at Sporting Kansas City and Chicago, bigger levels, even North Texas in USL League One, he was prone to it. So I think there is going to be changes to be made soon um, and Hartford will be on the rise. But let's talk about Birmingham. I mean, another win. That is remarkable. I mean, it's uh, it it is really. And Agadalo Agadello played really well. Um, Tyler Pasher, man, I that guy is just absolutely insane. He's he's a beast. and yeah, they're just they're playing so well as a team, um, and they're defending really well. Cronalli is 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 performing up snuff. Spangenberg um, made some big saves here and there at times, um, and it's it's the the pieces are all falling into place. And I know I picked them as like my uh, overrated team. I don't I don't consider them overrated now. Yeah, they uh, have showed a lot for sure. It's crazy. I think still the lack of depth, but it is. I think they just have so much, so much quality in that starting lineup. It is. It's is overwhelming the teams at times. It is. It really is. And I didn't even think that they had that. They didn't have that kind of quality um, in their starting lineup to begin with. But they've clearly proved me wrong. Um, and two players that I want to shout out who have been very good: Raveno has been very good when he's played. And in Wegbo, coming from Vermont, I believe it was yeah. Vermont Green in USL League 2, has been phenomenal since showing up. So big props to them. Birmingham know what they're doing recruiting-wise, and it is working. That's a, a draw and two wins in their three games so far, all of which should be taking considerably well because they're all against good opposition. So yep. props to Birmingham. So we'll move on to perhaps the biggest surprise of the weekend. I will have to say 
Uh, it's, it's honestly been the biggest surprise of the season so far. Yeah, me. biggest surprise of the season. I will I will match that. I will agree. Um, Louisville nil, El Paso three. And before we jump into it, here's a quick little stat for you. El Paso have played three times before this game, all at home, and they have lost all three of those games. It it just yeah. I mean. This is one of these things where you just look at it and you say, make it make sense. Because, quite frankly, it doesn't. But just it, was, it just wasn't a good game overall from, from Louisville City SC. I think the, the miss by, uh, I forget who it was, but shot it, you know, came back at him, saved by, saved by Benny Diaz, came right back at him, shoots again, <laughs> hits it off the post, goes across the face of goal, and the defender touches it into Benny Diaz, Diaz's arms. If that doesn't typify the game for Louisville City FC, I don't know what does. But it was just, yeah, it was not the typical Lou City we come to expect, um, particularly in the back line with Sean Tosh and, uh, and Amadou Dia in them. Yeah, it was, this is the USL Championship bundled up into a whole game. And I think, well, El Paso massively outplayed Louisville here. So the goals that El Paso scored, the first one, uh, there there are two moments in here where you really got to just for what this game was. The first goal, uh, don't know, I can't remember who cut in and shot it, but it's a, it's a cross into the box. Right. And the wind carries it into the back of the net. The goal, Louisville's goalkeeper is unsighted. It just, it's carried into the back of the net. It's, it's a good goal, to be fair. It's a smart goal because um, one of the El Paso forwards, again, can't remember uh, who it was, bends down, looks like he's about to flick it. Good no flick. Even if he did get it, it would have gone in and it would have been onside. But still smart from El Paso. And then Musha Galusa in the second half takes a shot from maybe uh, 16 yards out, but it's on the um, end line. It's on the end line. Wind carries it right into Benny Diaz's um area, tips it over. Lots of work for Benny Diaz. Lots of work for both goalkeepers on the estopinal end due to the wind. It was a yeah. remarkable game. All all across the Midwest, goalkeepers were getting to work in uh this this weekend. But uh it was uh it was Mark Navarro, who by the way who, Mark Navarro, who, right. Got that goal. Um and yeah, it was like it was almost like the uh, whoever didn't flick it on, they just basically dummied it through. Yeah. Uh, and like it's as long as as long as he's not close to the goalkeeper, it's not considered offsides or interference. So it was, and I come to expect better Morton too, um, for for how good he is and how high rated he is. I do come to expect better of Morton, but still. Yeah, he Morton definitely could have done better on that first goal for sure didn't read it too well but again who would yeah get that win so. so el paso their first one of the season in four tries it's it gives off the kind of run that they had last year where i believe they started off it was like five six or whatever games winless and then they went on that massive run and then they ultimately missed the playoffs mm-hmm. in the end 
It was it was the game against us where they exploded for five goals after not having one, I think. So we were <laughs> at the, the 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 bad end of that for sure. Maybe this is the 2023 version of that run for El Paso. It's good to see them get their first win. That is for sure. Yeah. So it's not the one we expected. No, definitely not. I really thought it would have come in a couple weeks. Not here. I thought this was a lock for Louisville. So. We'll move on to um, a game which I think is very telling in terms of what I, some of the predictions I made at the beginning of the year. It's Detroit City nil, Indy 11 1. Um, this is a pretty bog standard result, I think, for both teams. I mean, Detroit, 32% of the possession, eight shots. It was a slog for both teams to get to the goal. And, you know, this was another game with where you have to contend with the wind. The ball, whenever the goalkeepers put it down, would just continue. It, would, it wouldn't stay still. It, would, it, it rolled every time, every time they tried to set it down. And it's that, at that point, it's just like, you know, just, just, just kick it. Like, <laughs> yeah, it, it's going to, it's going to, it's going to roll anyways. But any, but regardless, uh, I think the lack of, any sort of cutting edge really showed for Detroit. Um, whenever anyone got on the end of those crosses, it just they they couldn't they couldn't find a way to put it in. Um, especially, I I I like Michael Bryant. I rate him, but he's not like the most fantastic finisher with you know with headers. Um, and I think that really showed on that final play. And. Overall, they pressed forward pretty well, being down 10 men, I will say. Um, being down a man. So, overall, it was just run-of-the-mill for Detroit. Yeah, very good win for them. They get their first win of the season, and it's away from home. That's great stuff here. So, please with that, I'm sure, for Indy. And I think Indy have now finally found what they need because despite Detroit's inability to score a goal here, Indy were pretty defensively sound, and I think that's something that they haven't had for a while. So I'm sure they will be pleased with that. It seems like despite the low scoring, despite the um, inability to get close to the goal, really, for most of the game for both teams, it seems like Indy have what they want now. They have their identity, and it seems like that could continue into the next weeks. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And, you know, again, Kind of, kind of mentioned it, and it's kind of happening with Hartford. You know, you put, you look at the team on paper, looks good, but what happens when you put them on the field? And I think Indy finally found something in that, um, in that, uh, in their, like you said, in their identity, but also the way they want to play. So, uh, credit to them. Yeah, there were a, there were a lot of teams this off season who I was really concerned were following the Phoenix layout of let's just get the best players we can and throw the tactics out the window. I was scared of that for Indy. I was a bit nervous about that for Charleston, although Charleston have proven me wrong. They played very well to begin the year. Um, And then the one it's named after Phoenix scared me the most. And it seems like they went out and did it again, but they did not play this weekend. So they kind of escaped that for right now. Yes. So For, for, for the time being. Yes, if the, once they play next weekend and they inherently lose, we can talk about it then. So, 
We will move on from Detroit Indy to Charleston, Tampa Bay. And I think this could be also maybe top three, top five in terms of surprising results to start the year. I mean, we knew Charleston were going to have the ability to score. They have Augie Williams, and we know he got like, I believe it was 14 goals last year, despite Charleston's woes. I mean, they could still get forward last year, and we knew that was going to carry over under uh, Pierman because of how free Memphis were last year. And while Augie Williams is no Philip Goodrum, he's still a very good finisher. So while I'm not surprised that Charleston scored three goals against Tampa Bay because Charleston can score three against anybody, I'm just surprised at the lockdown defense that Charleston have been lacking for probably a season or two, and they finally show it here. I think, I mean, I think Derek Dotson is absolutely massive in what he brings to that back line. And it's it's also just not that, not the back, not just the back line. It's the pressing too. Um, they are just and kind of kind of like what we saw with Memphis last year. Memphis so very well organized under Pierman. He Pierman comes over to Charleston, and you look at the pressing, and it is incredibly organized, and it caused havoc, I think, for uh, for Neil Collins and the Rowdies, and they could they couldn't contend with that, and it was just it was it was fun to watch. It was fun to see Charleston actually having fun and scoring goals in defending well. Um, again, a lot of a lot of good crosses uh, from Tampa Bay, good chances, but even better defending from Charleston, I think. And it has to be said that Charleston were missing two starting defenders in Leland Archer and AJ Patterson. I mean, that is remarkable. And they still get the job done here. And this is the 4-2-3-1 done right. We saw it last year with Pierman with Goodrum as the spearhead. And now it's Augie Williams as a spearhead. He is a great coach with good players at it. Like this is not the best roster in the league, but he is making it seem like the best roster in the league at this point. And I couldn't be, I, I think Charleston are on for, I don't want to, overstate we're only three match weeks into the year but charleston do look like early favorites out of the gate for sure yeah i mean and then of course you have this 16 year old wonder kid fidel barajas and it's just like the future is so the future is so incredibly bright for charleston um not not just now but in the future as well and then Markanic is absolutely massive in that midfield, um, and yeah, the job the job Pierman did bringing in bringing in the guys he did in the off season uh, was was really really massive. And it's when he has those at his disposal, he absolutely like works wonders with them. So it really is incredible to watch. Yeah, and to shift that is now three games winless for Tampa Bay. I don't think that's what we initially thought was going to happen. And next Saturday, they move to top of the East Birmingham Legion at home. So it's definitely not going to be an easy game in their fourth outing to try and get that first win of the year. Right. And, you know, two goals in your, in your first, in your first three games, not, 
not good. Um, I think they'll come because I think the goals will come. Whenever you have a guy like Caleb Caleb Jennings, the goals are going to come. Uh, but also missing Leo Fernandez is just so massive right now. He he yeah. had this identity. He brought this identity to the team that they just seem like they're missing right now. Um, and so someone needs to step up in that place, I think. And so. it's it's going to be hard for them to find that because they do have good creators. Like, uh, I wanted to say like Leo Fernandez, but no one is like Leo Fernandez. So they do have, they do still have good creators, but no one is going to do the job that he can. And while I do have pure faith in JJ Williams and Cal Jennings to score because they have scored in this league plenty of times before. It's going to be a turbulent year if they can't find that good creative outlet to replace Lyle Fernandez. Maybe it's within the team. Maybe I mean they've got Ariel Martinez and Akim Kasana, but can they go whole games at their age? Probably not. So it might be a look to the transfer window and look towards a new player just for this year um, kind of thing for Tampa Bay. Yeah. And, you know, it's also just the little things at times for them. Why there's no need for Forrest Lasso to push. Uh, I forget who it was who earned the penalty, but there's no need for that. Like you don't need to push the, the guy in the box. Uh, just let him win the ball and you defend and they'll cycle it back out. There's nothing dangerous about that play. And that really killed any chance, I think, of Tampa Bay getting back in the game. Yeah, it, it was a very off-brand Tampa Bay Rowdies in this game. Forrest Lasso didn't look like himself. The Tampa Bay attack didn't look as fluid. And while that is massively in part to Leo Fernandez, they still have all the outlets of a top team, and they just didn't utilize them. So Tampa Bay next weekend, Birmingham, maybe. I'm not sold that they're going to get their first win there. At least it's at home. <laughs> yeah, at, at least it's at home. That's the only saving grace there. So we'll move on to that. Uh, one more game before a little break here. We've got San Antonio versus the Switchbacks. And this is the San Antonio low block at its finest. Yeah, this was, uh, I mean, just absolutely wave after wave of Colorado attack and just again and again fighting you know fighting getting getting the getting the balls cleared and Jordan Farr doing what Jordan Farr does usually um and then of course protecting the 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 clean sheet and the three points as well just remarkable yeah i mean this is a on brand game for the switchbacks who like to overload, who like um, that winger play, especially under Hogan now. Um, and San Antonio, who love to just sit back and then counter, and they do it. And while they did get very fortunate with that uh, Zach Zandy penalty, is this is a San Antonio team who is still very good. And with a player like with Jordan Farragol, with Connor Maloney at the back, you've got Zico Bailey, um, even though he's on a... 25-day contract. I believe he's very young. He's still a good defender. You've got Lamar Batista, who's shown how good he is. Mitch Taintor, one of the best defenders in the league, also gets forward. This San Antonio defense 
is built for this. Uh, it's built for this in general. It's one of the best tactical setups built in this league over the past two seasons. And you know, it's they're they're coming to town this Saturday, so it's going to be really interesting to see how we can try and be creative and try it because a lot of what we do is trying to get get in behind with guys like Mitchell Tainter and um and Lamar Batista but maybe a little hard you may have to kind of try and switch the play um maybe be a little bit more indirect uh with your play against this team so it should be really interesting yeah it'll be a lot it'll be very interesting especially because of how this um San Antonio midfield has built as well I mean, Jacordi Hayes, who comes in this year, MLS experience, Nico Hansen, Ignacio Ballona. I mean, you can go on this San Antonio team for days and talk about how good they are. They're they're just ridiculous. <laughs> Stack. <laughs> so we're going to go to a quick break, and then we will come back um, and finish off with the rest of the match reviews and then move into some other things that we saw this weekend. And most likely we'll move on to some games that intrigue us next weekend as well. All right. We are back from that little break. We've got three games left before we move on into some other things from this weekend and move on to some games next weekend. And we're going to jump right into the first one. Um, I think the joys of their first win of the season might have been a little bit um too fruitful. I don't think Loudon for the Cup is going to happen anymore, unfortunately. Um, yeah, and I mean, Pulse is a good side, and uh, it's it's tough going on the road to to one oak, of course, but Loudon, uh, just kind of kind of what we came to expect them, uh to be coming into the season. Uh, no, no Zach Ryan in there is, is big. Cause I just think they lack a little of creativity. Um, and when they, when they, when they do get him back from this suspension, uh, I think they, I, I hope they get back to scoring goals. Yeah. But overall, not a great defensive performance uh, from, from them necessarily. Yeah, I mean, Loudon are gonna have games like this during the year. Once now that they're a separate entity from DC United, I think they're gonna evolve because Virginia as a whole is relatively untouched by uh soccer in the United States, so I think they have a good claim there, especially so close to the big metro areas over there. Maybe some defected fans who don't want to support the big ones in MLS, they've got room to grow. And they're going to get there slowly but surely. Um, if they keep hold of some of these key players like Zach Ryan, who started off so hot, uh, Cole Turner, who has been fantastic in midfield. I mean, Khalil Medkar has been good. Tommy Williamson, who they got from Minnesota United, too, has been good. I like uh, Santos at the back. I like Bryce Washington, although he's yet to play, which is unfortunate. And they've got Hugo Faru, who's had a bit of a resurrection here. I mean, they've got... <laughs> They've got so many good options who are still so young and have good years ahead of them. Maybe with Loudoun United, maybe with other teams that they can get some transfer fees from. Uh, but coming up against a Tulsa team 
under Blair Gavin, who is looking for their first win, and they get it. They get their first clean sheet of the season as well. Really solid, complete performance from Tulsa. Really professional stuff from them. And I think, um, I don't want to say it too much because there are going to be some teams who had good results here this weekend who will not continue to have good results in the coming weeks. Um, El Paso, I don't, I don't know how much I believe that they're going to have a great year despite that great result. But Tulsa, I do think um, this is a, this is the start. I mean, they got that um, draw against Miami, which is um, a good result. They scored like a minute after Miami's opener, an unfortunate loss to Birmingham, but now this big win in here, uh, this feels like this is where they only go up now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if it weren't for Tyler Pasher's heroics, uh, they most likely draw that game 2 yeah. 2. I mean, Marcus Apps is in like the form of his life right now. I mean, he is, he is really, really good right now. Uh, Rodrigo de Costa, you know what you're getting with him. It's quality through and through. Um, Milo, Yosef, um, and then Ferry. All, all really good. And then they signed, which I'm sure we will get to this in a second, uh, worth the 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 international. Yes. Um we'll get to we'll get to that later. But um and then and then of course uh Moses Dyer, who we're always so high on. Yeah, I mean we can talk about worth now because the only other transfer I was really gonna talk about uh is to a team we haven't gotten to yet, and that's Cody Cropper. Um, so we can just talk about the transfers when we get to them because Worth, 16 years old, leaves the New York Red Bulls um, organization and comes to Tulsa. And maybe that's because this is an easier path to go abroad because now he only has to wait till he's 18. I think it would have been more of a problem if he stayed. I think it's still 18 if he would have stayed with the Red Bulls, but I think it would have been more work. But now it's just 18 years old for sure. That's it for him to go abroad. And if he can be the midfielder that he was with New York Red Bulls 2 and the New York Red Bulls Academy for the next two years, he signed that contract till 2025 that summer. Tulsa have mm-hmm. a midfielder on their hands. Yeah. Um, and that, I'm looking forward to that pairing in the midfield with him and DaCosta. Um, that is going to be, that's going to be something else for sure. Yeah. When you, I mean, when you see the options that um, Tulsa have. Rodrigo Acosta and Epps as midfielders. Rodrigo Acosta through the middle and then Epps out wide. And then Moses Dyer, who I'm still high on. Don't get me wrong. I've got faith that he's going to be he's going to be banging in 50 goals this season. Don't worry. Oh, yeah. Um, And then Dario Suarez, who's still a great finisher and a great option. Um, And despite the loss of Joaquin Rivas, this Tulsa attack is great. And it, yeah. it, it's always been great. It's always been capable of scoring. It's just the defensive side that's been rough. And now they seem to have figured it out. Yeah. And I think uh, when they when they lost Dee's pay, we were all kind of like, you know, oh boy. This is a bit interesting because of their defensive, defensive woes in the past. But they seem to have figured it out, uh, especially with bringing in Tete. I think that's a, that's a good signing. Um, just to kind of answer questions uh, at the back that they couldn't really answer in the past. Yeah, it's 
it feels like a new era under Tulsa. I mean, or at Tulsa, I should say. I mean, I think the Tulsa Roughnecks era was difficult. Not much there. FC Tulsa, the rebrand, seemed like a good sign. Um, they had opportunities to be great, but they just never fulfilled it. This year feels like the year that they can do it. I mean, 2021, they made the playoffs. That felt like it could have been the time, but last year faltered, wasn't great. But now, now feels like the right time for them to do something big. Yeah, absolutely. Really high on Tulsa. Unfortunate for Loudon. Uh, We'll move on though to a pretty, pretty interesting game. We talked about Las Vegas earlier. It's Orange County to Las Vegas to, and a Las Vegas team who I thought were going to be not great. Um, they haven't won yet, but an Orange County team who I thought uh, had at least better also, I believe, without a win, if I am thinking correctly. Yeah, so correct. two teams on opposite ends of the spectrum really coming to the mediocre middle. If I have to say, yeah, it, uh, I, yeah, we, I think we should normally expect Orange County to beat a team like Las Vegas, but I think there are just, there's just still some questions at the back for, for Orange County that need to be answered. And it kind of showed. Um, meanwhile, Las Vegas, you know, that that back line is not good. So, I think it really showed on both sides uh, that the attacks are phenomenal, but the 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 back lines leave uh, leave you a bit wanting at times. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and especially for the fact that Las Vegas uh, take the lead both times and still cannot hold on. That's unfortunate. It would have been fun to harp on Orange County. Um, giving Las Vegas the first their first win of the year when it seemed like Las Vegas might put in a pretty bad year. I think that's gone out the window. I think Las Vegas, while they might not be absolute stormers, I don't think they're going to be absolutely awful. Um, but like I said, when we were talking about transfers, um, one big thing I want to talk about with Orange County is Cody Cropper. Big pickup, MLS experienced, good option, still in that prime age for a goalkeeper. And I think it's a great replacement for Rakowski. I have to say. Yeah, absolutely. It's something they, they really needed ever since Rakowski got, got shipped out. Um, and yes, while you look at Rakowski and you say, well, his numbers weren't good last year, you look at the defense and you say, well, that defense was, was absolute, you know, it was even worse. It was even worse than Rakowski was. Um, if you, I think if you just give Rakowski a chance with a good defense, then it works itself out. But nevertheless, he gets he gets shipped out, and so Cropper coming in is is big for them because they just they didn't have that that number one goalkeeper. I feel with who is it, Colin Miller or, or it's, whatever? It's Shootler. It, it's it's Shuttler. Yeah, Shuttler. Um, so he's in here. He's he's okay, but I don't rate him. So uh, he's yeah, big big pickup for sure. Yeah, I'm I'm pleased with 
Orange County on that pickup. I don't think they're going to be pleased again with this start to the year. Um, Iloski off the mark for the season in his third in the third game. That's big. Um, doesn't seem like we'll see the same numbers as last year, but I think Iloski is still that clinical uh, cut in and finish player that he was. Um, and then who about Torres? Comes back to his former team, gets the goal. Gets the go-ahead goal in the 44th minute, the first goal of the game. That's big. Is that signs that he can push Las Vegas forward? He might not do it all by himself. He might not be able to take Las Vegas all the way. But is he the man to lead Las Vegas, at least for this year? I think maybe. Yeah, I I think, honestly, him and and Botella Faz up top is a pretty... A pretty elite attack, I must say. I think Botelafaz mainly carries that attack, but I think Kubo can kind of feed off of Faz and you know, whenever teams try to focus a bit more on um Botelafaz, there's there's Kubo Torres popping up right there, uh, to to non not a goal home or or just, you know, follow one in. So Overall, yeah, I think I think he can be that guy. And I mean, I'm not I'm not gonna be the guy. I actually I am gonna be the guy. With only four spots that missed the playoffs, Las Vegas not needing that much of a gap. They're currently ninth, and they've got a game in hand. Granted, we're only on match week three, but you never know. Crazier things have happened. Maybe it's loud. Maybe instead of loud for the cup, it's Las Vegas for the cup. Yeah. So I mean, <laughs> again, you look at Las Vegas. They're starting what four, five games out on the road, uh, because I believe it's the Vipers who are playing in their in their stadium currently. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, to get these two results on the road, pretty massive for them, I must say. Uh, that's it's not it's you look at what happened with us last year, starting out seven games on the road, not easy, but then you're gonna get home at some point. You're gonna play games at home. And that's going to be massive to play in front of your home fans. Uh, so, yeah, I think they're just, they just got to fight through it. And they have been so far. So credit to them. Yeah. I mean, in terms of like talking about the away games that they're playing, Cashman Field is unparalleled in how unique it is. I'll have to say, I love It's great. Despite it being a baseball field or a former baseball field, it's, definitely one of the more fun stadiums in the league i will have to say yeah it's it's also one of the more unkempt i think yeah uh, it is so last year when we went there it was a burst pipe under the field that got the game postponed um and so yeah that w- that wasn't fun but overall they have they draw good numbers too i think uh, and they'll draw even more numbers now that they're uh, away from or detached from LAFC per se. Yeah, absolutely. I think I think the LAFC thing was holding them back mainly because they weren't able to go out and really spend on players. And while they didn't do that necessarily here, they kind of brought them in in droves, which didn't seem like a great thing. I think they're better off than they were with LAFC. Yeah, absolutely. So big stuff for Las Vegas. Hopefully more from Orange County to come soon. We'll move on 
to our last game of the weekend because Oakland Memphis is postponed because Oakland cannot get their uh, not even their field their 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 not field I should say is yeah. uh was not settled so probably the most Oakland thing that could have happened um so they don't play that game will happen at a later date we move on to Sacramento San Diego um big California game early in the season and San Diego off of a good start against Phoenix and Detroit fall here to a Felipe winner in the 41st minute. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's always the Rodrigo Lopez show, you know, he just is, he's, he's so good. Uh, I don't even want to say he's quality through and through. Cause he's just more than that. Um, he's, he's a club legend uh for for a reason and he just continues to show why he is one of the best in the league um but for san diego 59 percent possession um eight shots but only one on goal uh that is that's pretty disappointing and for conway to miss that chance I, that's, that's tough that's tough that's that's a young player who still needs some time to find that finishing touch. He'll get there. Um, I think this San Diego team will become even more. Will become, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Will become more of a force when Ronaldo Damus is finally able to go that 60, 75 minutes. Because so far we've only seen the glimpses of him. We saw that remarkable goal against Phoenix. We know what he's been able to do in this league. Um. Once he starts and once this attack clicks, like it did against Phoenix, although that Phoenix defense kind of helped them out a little bit. Once this team comes together and they find that force, once Conway finds his feet and can score goals, like it seems like he can. And like I said, Damas starts. This San Diego team will be good. And it's unfortunate that they blank here against a Sacramento team that is oh so good and has been oh so good for so many years now. Yeah. And it, and you know it could have been a lot more had it not been for uh, Coke Vegas making some big saves uh, like he normally always does. Uh, so yeah, they'll get there. But uh, overall, they're still two and one. They still have six points, so they're still sitting relatively uh, pretty in the standings. Yeah, it was. It's a big battle to start the year as well. I think we knew that coming in that this was going to be a tight affair. I mean, these are two teams who don't want to go out. And lose their first game of the season against each other. And unfortunately, it's just San Diego that takes the blow. But we know that these two teams will be towards the top of the West at the end of the year. They're both still very good. So, Absolutely. All right. That covers the games from this past weekend. No Sunday games this time around. So we will just jump right into some games from next weekend. We talked about... Some transfers. The only two we want to talk about were Worth and Cropper, I believe. I can't think of anybody else much. Bill, that is right. Wow. How can I forget the biggest one? Bill Hamid to Memphis 901. I don't, I'm going to be, I don't necessarily think he comes in like a lot of people might think and takes that number one goalkeeper in the league spot. I don't. He was not good in those closing years with DC United. And while he is 
going to be a big um, leader in that Memphis goal, which is what they need now. Um, I don't think it's what takes this Memphis team leaps and bounds forward. Yeah, and like if you look at this Memphis team, and you know their their defense last year was good at times, but for the most part, it looked like you know there 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 were some gaps in it. So yeah. the fact that they lost so much in defense is, you know, it looks like it looks like Swiss cheese now. Um, and to quote the USL show. If if that looks like Swiss cheese, what was what was the cheese before? Did it have dents or something like that? <laughs> um, but it, yeah, I think that's the that's the biggest thing for Memphis right now is they just can't figure out the defense. And no matter how good Hamid comes in and, and is going to be, um, I don't think he just makes that big of a difference. Because I think despite him being better than Romig, Romig has made some decent saves. Romig has like, been very good. He's looked okay, so I just don't know how much of a, how much of a difference Bill Hamid makes. Great player. I th- I think there's an easy comparison here, and while he's not as old, this feels exactly like Memphis bringing in Tim Howard. Yeah, absolutely. So I I don't think it's going to go as poorly as Tim Howard went. Um, I think Bill Hamid is still more physically capable of playing than Tim Howard was at that time. Um, Tim Howard definitely has more of a voice and goal than Bill Hamid does. So we'll see where it goes. But I don't, like I said, think it's going to take Memphis to the next step because that defense is the main problem. They lost so much that they didn't replace. Yeah. And so, at some point, they're going to have to take Rashawn Daly out, out of the defense and put him up top. So Yeah. At some point, you have to stop playing a striker at center back. Unfortunately, I know Steven Glass really likes to play players out of position for some reason. Um, maybe Bill Hamid is going to play striker. Well, yeah, that's that, would, that seems to be the hope with Steven Glass, I guess. We need to start a petition. Put Bill Hamid up top. Put Bill Hamid up top. Absolutely. Steven Glass will listen because he clearly doesn't know what's going on. Um, we'll move. Is that all for transfers now? I'm trying to think. I think that is it. I believe it is. I believe okay. It is. Two big goalkeeper signings, though. That is, that's great to see. Two teams that, for the most part, needed them. So good to see teams getting what they need. We'll move on to this upcoming week's games. There are some big ones, but we'll start with something that I don't think I've seen necessarily often Tulsa with three games in the span of about six days. They have got, they played Loudon at home Saturday night. They now have Pittsburgh at home Tuesday night, and they then have El Paso at home on Friday night. That is going to be a real test of Tulsa's just sheer will to power through. They are going to be fighting so much adversity here. A Pittsburgh team who, despite having a thin squad, are still capable. And this El Paso team high off of their first one of the season. Who's to say they don't do it again? You know, they're riding. Yeah, I mean, it's obviously they're 
professionals, uh, these these players. Uh, but three games in the span of six days is it, it's tough. That's for sure. Um, and at, at least at least you get them out of the way now. But uh, it's gonna these are these are gonna be some some games that, as you said, are really going to test them as a team. Um, and I think if anything, they at least win one of those, um, maybe, maybe lose another, if anything, they could probably, I think they'll probably win against Pittsburgh. I'll say that. I, I think that's a fair shot because I think that Pittsburgh four, four, two is more susceptible against Tulsa. Um, and that El Paso team, um, seems to be able to play free. And I think on a Tulsa team coming into their third game, in six days, I think El Paso will be able to pounce on that for sure. So I'll backtrack a bit on saying that El Paso can do it again, but I don't think these two results necessarily um, contribute to a good season overall for them. That's that's just my opinion. I don't think uh, that Friday game will be necessarily all too telling for these teams. Yeah, absolutely. So two games for Tulsa this week after this past weekend's game we have a lot of intra-conference games uh we start with harford orange county on saturday at two o'clock an early kickoff that'll be an 11 o'clock kickoff for our friends in orange county that is a game with big uh ramifications for both teams if one uh for whichever team or if both teams come out of that game without a win yeah I think if you look at Hartford uh, and if they lose this match, you look at them and say they possibly aren't as good as we thought they would be. Um, And I still think, you know, give them three more games, but this, this game will be a telltale sign. I think of what potentially could come uh, later in the season. Um, and you know, for Orange County, it is they need they need this for sure because these are two teams that haven't won any games yet. Yeah. Um, they need need points on the board. And if you're Hartford, you're at home, you're playing a team that's traveling cross country, you should be able to win this game. Um and so Orange County, they I don't I just I just don't see it for them. Uh, and I think this is really, this is really going to be a game of two teams that need it. Yeah, it's it seems this is definitely Hartford's most winnable game to start the year after what we've seen so far in these first weeks. Um, I think that's a given because of Birmingham, despite the early shots that they might not be as good, have proven us wrong. Um, Hartford need this. If they can't beat an Orange County team cross-country after a granted resilient two-all draw against Las Vegas at home, then who can Hartford realistically beat this year? I mean, they're going to get wins. Every team gets wins. But who can they beat on a consistent basis? And can they win on a consistent basis if they can't beat Orange County here? I don't think the answer is necessarily yes. Yeah, um, it's yeah, it, it's it's I don't I just don't see Hartford um, 
make I don't see Hartford making it out of the first round of the playoffs. I think they make the playoffs, but at this point, the way it's you know coming down, uh, I just don't I don't see it for them right now. Yeah, there's there's going to be a big loser for whoever fails to come out of this game with a win, and I think that's going to set up a disappointing year for sure. Because if you come out of this game against a team who both teams have looked pretty underwhelming to start the year. So if you come out of this game without a win or without a point, even you're going to be pretty down and it's not going to be looking like a great year. Um, So we'll see who that team is. I mean, both teams could have outstanding games and could prove me wrong. And they build off of this despite a loss. Like, you know, orange County could put up a resilient effort, still lose, go on to have a great year. But I think after these opening games, that's not going to be the case because both teams have looked pretty flat to say the least. Right. So. And we can only we can only go off of the results we, we have already. So yeah. So we have next up Detroit RGV. This is a very interesting game. Two three at the backs playing against each other. Normally that would mean goals galore. Here, however, we have a Detroit team who like to pass it around the 18, and an RGV team who like to boot it up the field with just those three center backs. They can still hold on to possession, but they like to play the long game. This this will be an interesting game purely because I don't believe we've seen these, team plays, these teams play each other yet, and I'm intrigued to see how this goes forward, especially with Detroit's lack of Seeming attacking options up top. And now no Yazid Matthews following his red card in that last game. And he was the one who got one of those goals um, against, who was it? El Paso, that's right. So we'll see how it goes. I I don't know what to think. I don't know what to think. I, If you ask me, I really think this game could be just an absolute snooze fest. Because it... It just, I don't know. It feels like it has one, it has it has a draw written all over it, whether it's nil-nil or one-one. I don't see a two-two draw in it, but I see a draw in it, um, nevertheless. Um, because you just look at it, RGV currently doesn't really have a whole lot in attack, considering they scored one goal, one goal, and one goal in every single match they've played so far. And again, while Detroit beat an El Paso team away uh, by scoring three goals, it was against a relatively, uh, it wasn't against the best back line, I would say. Um, And so it really showed their inability to score goals against a decent enough defense in Indy. Um, So it should be really, really interesting to say the least. Yeah, I'm I'm honestly leaning towards because I went back, looked at um the stats from last season. And Detroit, to be fair to them, 46 goals last year. Um, that's more than a goal a game. Well more than a goal a game. So those goal scoring woes aren't like necessarily a trend. It's just this year where it seems like it could be a problem. But I I do think that there will be a couple games this year where Detroit are blanked. Like, they were blanked against Indy. And I think that will happen more often than not. But I think there will be some games this year 
where Detroit can come out and put on a clinic. And I honestly think against an RGV team who has not started off well and who has that susceptible three at the back, this could be that game. So we didn't do a prediction for um, Hartford Orange County if you want to do if we want to do a prediction for that after this. But I honestly think Detroit take this game three 0 I do. I think they will find that finishing touch that they found against El Paso and they found a lot last year. Um, I think it's going to show up again here. Yeah, and if we're if we're talking about it, I think. Or as you mentioned, I think Hartford wins that game two to one, um, because of the fact that Orange County hasn't come out the gate all too well, and Hartford really needs that game. Um, I think they will play their hearts out for for uh, for three yeah. points there. Um, so yeah, I just think Detroit and RGV, it'll uh, it'll land in a draw for me. All right, sounds. Good. We'll go one more game. We're running out of a bit of time here. Um, we've got some options. We've got Loudon, um, Colorado Springs. We got let's do let's do Sacramento Louisville. That is a heavy hitting game. Sacramento coming off of that one nil win against San Diego, and now Louisville three 0 home loss to El Paso. It's a good chance, but a difficult chance to hit back for Louisville here. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, in, I believe, last year when Sacramento went to Louisville, it lost three to one. Um, it should be, uh, I want to say it may maybe a defensive battle, but at the same time, Louisville is going to look to bounce back and respond, especially because they're on the road. Yeah, and Sacramento again, you just. You know what you're getting with them. They're they're high quality, and so I think I think Louisville comes in and takes this uh, two to one because of the fact that they want to show that that was just a one off. You don't need to worry about that about that result um, when it when it comes down to playoffs. And so I think I think they take it at heart health. I I think that is very very plausible i'm just i'm concerned this is their third california game in two weeks we saw them start the year against orange county then they move on to monterey bay they come home all the way to louisville for el paso get stomped and now they have to head back out to california to play sacramento a sacramento team yet to lose i don't think louisville lose here i think they will have learned a lot from that el paso game but i don't think um despite the conditions they're going to be able to pull out the win. I think it's going to be a one-all draw here. I do think, like you said, it could be a defensive battle here because Louisville do not want to get stomped on again, um, especially this time when they're having to go all the way out to California. I think they'll be a bit more cautious, but I don't think that will lead necessarily to a win. Yeah, um, I would I would agree there. And so it should be should be an interesting one there. And uh, we'll have to see how it pans out. That is for sure. We'll see how all these results pan out next week. That is going to finish our episode for today. Thank you, um, MBFC Discussions, for coming back on again. As always, um, 
you guys will see him plenty more in the coming weeks. That's for sure. That is that's that's for sure. So definite new co-host. Happy to have him around. Thank you guys for listening to today's episode. We will see you guys next weekend to talk more about results, maybe some transfers, and most likely Oakland losing at home once again. Yeah. If if they can if they have their pitch together by that time. Yeah, if they can even play by then. So.